Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. All right, I teased this a little bit, and if you're not a Pink Floyd fan, you're not going to care. But they're a legendary band, so at least care. Just in, in the sake of history. We're just making history here. Pink Floyd has released their first new song in 28 years. Now, I'm not including Endless River. That was the album they came out with in 2014. That was a bunch of rehashed old stuff that Rick Wright, who died their keyboardist, uh, they they just kind of made stuff out of old stuff that he had done from other recording sessions. It's it's a waste of time. I'm going to tell you the truth. Don't get Endless River. That's the last Pink Floyd album, and it is just a bunch of ambient noise. It's it's not worthwhile. But this is an actual song, and we're going to play it coming out of this break. So I do want to get to a story here, but stick around if you just want, even if you don't care, if you want to hear part of, at least I'm going to play the best part of the new Pink Floyd song, and I'll explain it a little bit at the end of the segment before we do. Okay, first though, this is a story with the title, The Media is the Number One Cause of War Since 1898. Now, I love history because I love stories and I love context. So I do like studying history as much as I can, and I'll present that to you whenever I can. This is one of those. It starts in 1895. A 32-year-old entrepreneur in New York City bought a failing newspaper and hatched a bold plan to turn it around. The newspaper industry was cutthroat, especially in New York. This is in the late 1800s. There were at least 16 other daily newspapers in circulation, there was fierce competition for readers' attention, but the entrepreneur had an idea. Thrill readers with tales of death, destruction, and brutality in the Cuban War for Independence against Spain. Cuba was a Spanish colony at the time, but revolutionary forces had been fighting for independence for several years. Few people in the U.S. really cared about Cuba, but the publisher vowed to make them care. That's advocacy journalism. So it's not new. This is the late 1800s in New York. This guy's name, William Randolph Hearst. Yes, you've heard of him. And the paper was the New York Morning Journal, constantly thrusting Cuba into readers' faces, making them care about something they otherwise wouldn't. And not only that, their stories were full of full-blown sensationalism. Hearst's journal was printing outright fabrications of atrocities committed by Spanish troops in Cuba. They were turning everybody against Spain. Why? I don't know. It was just to sell papers. They didn't care about Cuba. They were just trying to sensationalize something, get people to care about something. Sound familiar? Nothing's really changed. And this article goes on to highlight how, A, what we're dealing with now is actually the norm. I think when we had... Of unbiased journalism, and let's 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 get past the idea that we ever had fully unbiased journalism. But let's at least compare now to mid-century, 50s, 60s, 70s, something like that. It wasn't unbiased, but it was closer to it. 
And there was an attempt to be unbiased, as taught in journalism schools. I mean, I have a journalism degree, and my degree was in the early to mid-2000s. Even at that point, they were teaching unbiased journalism while also being biased. But at least they were teaching the ideal that you want to try to be unbiased. I don't know that they are anymore, or if they are, it's kind of like, yeah, but we all know what gets clicks. That was already happening when I was in school. But I, I think this is speaking largely to this idea that we had a shared common ethic in this country for a long time, nationally anyway, that you can you can look back in the middle of the last century and say we were more united at that point. But sensational journalism has always existed and it moves the public. Let me get back to this article real quick because it talks about how Things in the late 1800s are really mirroring what's happening now. And it goes on to say uh, the obvious Hunter Biden laptop cover up. We've been talking about this this morning. Refusal to cover it is a choice. Covering it is a choice. But covering it is really the logical choice because it's a big deal. Then there's the outright lies in Russia, the collusion hoax for which the New York Times was even awarded an esteemed Pulitzer Prize for their work on the Russia collusion hoax. Can you believe that? These are just lies. They make you pay attention to something. They make you pay attention to this idea that Trump is super corrupt and he was colluding with foreign governments. He obviously wasn't doing that, at least with the Russia hoax. We know that that was a fact. This is the power of the media. It's not necessarily to tell you what to think about something. It's to thrust something into the forefront to force you to have an opinion about it. That's very, very important. And likewise, what to not cover to keep down. Thank God for conservative media, because otherwise there are so many stories that we're talking about right now nationally, not just we're talking about on 97.1, we're talking about in these corners of talk radio. But I mean, we as Americans are talking about these things and we wouldn't be if it weren't for independent and conservative leaning media and they're becoming national conversations, the laptop being one of them, Russia collusion hoax being one of them, many, many others. So I just think that's a very, very interesting article. It's at Zero Hedge. If you want to check it out, talking about just the history of journalism and the point of journalism, not to ever really has it been unbiased. Wiggins, America. News with the audience. Okay, y'all, let's talk some Pink Floyd. I'm very, very excited about this. This is the first new single from Pink Floyd in 28 years, if you don't count Endless River, which didn't produce any singles, barely had any lyrics, and was just a bunch of like ambient soaking music. Um, skip that and you have the first single in 28 years and it is a legitimate song now here's the, the nuance to it though the caveat there's no singing by anybody from Pink Floyd on this song it is not Roger Waters so he's he's not part of this still I thought oh man it's like a Ukraine benefit thing because that's what it is maybe Roger Waters and David Gilmore got back together they're the two front men no, they didn't. They still hate each other. And that's probably due to Roger Waters being an a-hole <laughs> and um, uh, David Gilmore never, ever forgiving him, even when he's repented of being an a-hole. They, are, they don't like each other. And I don't know that we'll ever see them get back together. But 
the two remaining members of Pink Floyd who do talk to each other are the drummer, Nick Mason, who was in St. Louis actually right before the pandemic started. I got to see that show. And David Gilmore. Two out of there's three living members, so two out of three of them get together. They can call it Pink Floyd. That's what they did. They took this singer from a band called Boombox. I don't really know. It's some band that was, I guess, popular enough in Europe that you'd maybe know the name. He's a Ukrainian singer. They took his voice and made it into a song. And I won't play a lot of the Ukrainian singing part, but the the part that's Pink Floyd is the guitar solo from David Gilmore. It's really cool. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.